Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. 11 years old. Wow, that is outstanding. Thank you, Eli. That is really encouraging to hear. So that, what a blessing to be able to do it. So who else could have done that when they were 11 years old? Vivian Bowman, the only person. We could go back in time, Vivian. You come up here and sing. I bet you did sing at your, your country church back when you were 11 with that. That is absolutely true. So we're so glad you're here this morning for worship. It is exciting time. I have some incredible times of worship with that. I want to encourage you, if you came in, you should have received a bulletin. Now, if you didn't get one, I want you to grab it today. We have them back in the, bullet, back in the welcome center. You've got time to run back there and, and grab one. For our online folks, they're on the internet. You just go on our website and you can always access our bulletin that. But I do want you to grab a bulletin. If you didn't get one, that means our ushers aren't doing their job and we have to recruit you to be an usher. But I'm beginning a sermon series today and this morning for the next four weeks. And it's going to be called My Place. What we're going to be talking about is looking at your place first and foremost as your identity in Christ and then using that identity and serving through your church, your um, connections that God, your family, your life. And I want to tell you why we're going to get to it. And I want you to picture your life. There has got to be more to life than us. Waking up in the morning thinking, what are we going to eat? Where are we going out to eat? What's on TV? What the weather is. You ever check the weather? Does the weather even matter? Weather means whether or not you're going to wear a coat or not. Oh, wait, I'm getting a children's church. I'm so sorry. Jeff, Daniel, this is... You, I'm so... Uh, <coughs> we have children's church here. Jeff, Daniel, y'all come down. Y'all come raise your hands since uh, uh, this is Jeff and Daniel Lamb. We help for Children's Church. If you're between the ages of kindergarten and fifth grade, they teach a curriculum. You want to follow them. They go downstairs right here, and it's a great opportunity for you and your children, parents, to certainly learn about the Lord. So y'all just follow the Lambs downstairs for Children's Church. So with that, so... I was so excited to tell my story. I, I for, totally forgot about that. So, and then afterwards, parents, you'll go down there in that room. It's that first room there on the right, and you'll pick up your children for children's church with that. So that. Now think about this. Here we are going through. You're going through your life. You're checking the weather. You're thinking about where are we going to eat at? What's on TV today? What shows do I have? What's the news? And then long term, you're thinking... What trips and what travel could I be taking? Where could I go this summer or next fall? What, I, what, what sites do I need to go see? Is that your life? Just kind of, you're just going through just this routine and, and you're thinking, God, there's got to be more than what, what's on the menu. There has to be more than, is it going to rain? Do I need to wear my jacket? Do I wear wool socks or cotton socks? How warm is that? I mean, just... There, and, and I want us to see here in the Scriptures, God is going to tell us that we can be known by Jesus. Jesus knows you. If you are saved, if you are born again, if you have a relationship with the Lord, there is so much more than where we're going out to eat. Alright, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Really, 
the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at my place. And I'm here to tell you, your place is more than what I think the world has, what we would call the world has to offer. Christ calls you by name. Christ describes you as his sheep. You are his. We're going to look at two different places. All right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. And then in a little bit, we're going to flip over our Bibles, and we're going to look at John chapter 10. So those are going to be our two scriptures this morning. Matthew seven fifteen through 23, and John 10, 22 through 30. My place, church members are known by Jesus. Christ knows you. That's what we're going to look at here. Now, this passage here in Matthew chapter 7, this here is um, what we looked at. The, the, um, last week, we looked at the verses, the two verses preceding this. Now we come to the rest of this. I like this passage so much, I thought we just need to continue it on. So that's what we're going to pick up. Verse 15. Be on your guard against false prophets. So this is a warning. Meaning, Jesus is telling us, we have to watch out. We have to be on our guard. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Um, Benjamin's, our son's birthday was yesterday. So my parents came in town. Sherry's parents came in town. And what do we do? I sit here and mock this. But we went out to eat. We went to a Mexican restaurant, of course. That's what you do, I guess. And we're sitting at this table. And... You know, we eat nursing home hours, so it's like 11 o'clock in the morning eating lunch, which they live on Central Time, so that would have been 10 a.m., but they would fall in that category, so they're really right on time for their, they're right on time for their lunch. So we're sitting there next to this table, as, and this poor sales lady was giving a pitch. You could just, you could just tell they got her. She apparently made an 11 a.m. appointment with this person, and I don't know if she was selling life insurance. I, th- I think it was life insurance she was selling. And had her laptop out. And I could just look on the poor woman's face that was listening to this sales pitch. She didn't want to buy it. She wanted to leave so bad. You could just look on her face and go, bless your heart. You came for a free lunch and now you're having to listen to a two and a half hour sales pitch. And we even left. And she's still going and going and going. And you get to a point and say, ma'am, I'll just sign the line just so I can leave. And I share this because you, re- you, you read about a sheep's clothing. That's almost like when a salesperson gets you. And you're thinking, how do, how do I get out of this conversation? How do I get out from not buying and politely tell, um, tell this person I'm not interested? Well, Sherry Osnow, we have a plan. I want you all to use this too. This is the greatest way to get out from a salesperson. Always works. I'm getting the sales pitch from someone. I say, you know, I've got to go home and talk to my wife. You know, she's really thrifty and tight on money. I just got to talk to her first. And Sherry says, if I'm not there, I've got to go home and talk to my husband. You know, he's just, I just got to run this by him. You know how he is. Just got to run it by him before we get out. That always works on getting out of salespeople. You blame it on the person who's not there. That way you get out. Well, the Bible's telling us if we aren't careful, 
The devil will send in our lives these sheep that are disguised. But they're not sheep. They're ravaging wolves. And they will destroy us spiritually. They will destroy you, your family, your life. And I think if we're not careful, we could fall for this. Many people do fall for this. And we're going to see that in a minute, how we fall for this. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. But a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. There's two tests here the Bible gives us when examining people, whether they're a sheep or whether they're a wolf. First test we see is what we call the doctrinal test. The doctrinal test is somebody's teaching or, or telling or you're watching or listening to someone, even if it's not at church, and it does not line up with the Word of God. They have failed the doctrinal test. This is why it's so important that you know right from wrong. If you do not know right from wrong, you will fail the doctrinal test. You'll be led astray. Many folks here are led astray in our culture, in our world. Not only is there a doctrinal test, there are what we call the practical test. And by the way, we call those people that fail the doctrinal test, we call those heretics. They're teaching heresy. Second test, folks, you have to give to people is what we call the practical test. The practical test is if their lifestyle actually lines up with what they're saying. Somebody invites you out to lunch, and they're selling you life insurance. You're thinking, gosh, there was an ulterior motive behind this. The people whose lifestyle does not line up with what they say is what we call hypocrites. Hypocrisy. So you look at what they believe, and then you look at how someone lives. That is what the Bible is telling us. How we have to examine everything through those two tests throughout our life. And the Bible is telling us, you'll recognize people by their fruit. Because there's people out there that say one thing, but they have ulterior motives completely. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 21. These are frightening verses. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That means there's a lot of people out there talking about God. They plan when they die, they plan to meet God. I have a friend who had open heart surgery. He lives in Texas this past week, and he's in his upper 40s. He had quadruple open heart surgery, quadruple bypass surgery. And I heard him make the statement. He wrote on Facebook. He said... You know, I'm, I'm, please pray for me. We're having major surgery. But if I don't make it through surgery, I'll see you in heaven. Now, he's saved. He's a believer. But there's a lot of folks that talk that way, that make assumptions that they they're automatically go to heaven, and they call the Lord, Lord. But th- they, they don't know Jesus. Jesus does not know them. Look here. Jesus says that many of these people are like this. There's going to be a lot of folks 
They're going to meet the Lord with a lot of confidence here on earth, but they do not have a biblical confidence that they have trusted Christ as their Savior. Because look what Jesus says here. Many of these folks are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That means God has a will. His first will for you and I is for us to get saved. That is God's plan for us. If you know someone who is lost, who is not saved, you want to be instrumental in leading them to faith in Christ. How do you do that? You do it by first praying for them. do it by second for being a witness to them. You share them. You tell them about Jesus. Do you know of someone who's lost? They're all around us. Do you know someone who is unchurched, who doesn't know the Lord? God is telling us here in this plan that it is God's will for them first and foremost. So, right here. Your little handout I brought attention to. Four reasons you should be excited about belonging to a church. Number one, we're going to go through this. We're going to stop at the first one. You want to experience the love of Christ. How do you experience the love of Christ? You have Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is God's plan and purpose. This is why we come here and worship. This is why we have a prayer life. This is why we witness to lost people. This is why we give and to support missions. Because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear the good news. This is why we do children's church. The Lamb family is downstairs right now training and teaching children in their own environment about Jesus. This is why children go to Sunday school. So ultimately, they come and trust in Christ as their Savior. That's why we do VBS. We do all these ministries here with the great purpose of pointing people to the gospel. That is God's will. So when you go back here in your Bible, Matthew chapter 7, if you look at verse 22, on that day, this is where we're at, so God has a will for folks to get saved, but on that day, that's the day of judgment, that's the day we stand before the Lord, we will all face Him. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? And didn't we do many miracles in your name? Say, how could that be possible? To perform miracles, to perform prophecy, to drive out demons, yet you're still not saved. Here's why. Because the key here is it's not you that drives out the demon. Notice it says, didn't we drive out in whose name? Your name. The miracle was done in your name. Listen to what I'm saying here. A lost person, an unsaved person, still has power in the name of Jesus. It's not because they're saved. It's not their faith. It's Jesus' name that performs the miracle. God's name, the name of Jesus, is powerful. It's effective. And by even an unsaved person can tap in 
to the power of Jesus' name. Now, that doesn't mean we need to go around getting unsaved people to start doing prophecy and driving out demons. But it does mean, by Jesus' name, He can still perform miracles even when the person doesn't have the faith behind it. By His name does have the faith. you all see the difference there? This is frightening because that means a person who's spiritually lost that could be praying in Jesus' name but does not know the Lord could actually still see action, answers to their prayers, but it's not because of their faith. It's by Jesus' name. This is why we also pray, in Jesus' name, I pray. God doesn't base our answers to our prayers in His power on our faith. It's based by His power and His name. By the name of Jesus, if you remember in the book of Acts, Peter and John said, by the name of Jesus, you, sir, stand up and walk. They said that. It was in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus said there's going to be a lot of people who've been using his name, but all of a sudden, they do not know the Lord. And also in the book of Acts, I want to give you another example of this. There were these uh, prophets called the seven prophets of Scivia. And what happened, they went and they, were, they had tapped into the access, the power of Jesus' name, and they were actually doing miracles. And then, all of a sudden, they met a demon that was very powerful, and the demon was more powerful than what they were doing, and jumped out and, and attacked them. They had tapped in to power, but they did not know the Lord. And the demon spoke to them and said, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And then just mauled them, basically. That's in the book of Acts. I share all this because when we see that phrase there, when these people are going to say, how could I have gone to church? How could I have read my Bible? How could I have prayed, but I'm not saved? So then we're going to answer the question, how do we know the Lord? How do we know the Lord? God is looking for people who do His will. God, and we're going to see here who, what His will is in John chapter 10 here in a little bit. God's will is first and foremost, our commitment, our life, everything we have is based on Christ. We don't live for ourselves, we're living for the Lord. So keep going here. It says here, I'm going to drive out these demons in your name. And do miracles in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers or you evildoers. That's a quote there from Psalm 6-8. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament book of Psalms saying, I never knew you. You aren't part of me. You're lost. Now, flip over here in your Bible to John chapter 10. God, Jesus is going to tell us here how we can know him. Because if we know Jesus, we know the Father. While you turn there, I want to tell you about what it means to belong to a church here in your bulletin I brought. So you come to church, you look at your place, you look at your identity, and Christ first wants you to experience his love. When you are saved, you experience the saving love, the desire from God. Secondly, you want to be among God's people. Your closest friends should be here. 
what Scott said, he's missed folks the past year. He means that. Your brethren, your friends are right here in your church family. These are the folks you call upon to pray for you. These are the ones that when you're going through difficult, dark days, they're there for you. Knowing that, you want to serve others. Christ wants us to serve one another. He came to serve us. We serve others. This is not a selfish life. Serving others is spelled with T-I-M-E, time. That's what it means to serve. We guard our time. A lot of times we spend our time on the wrong things, but if you want to invest in other people, you have to say, I'm going to make time for this. I will make this a priority in my schedule. And fourthly, we see here, you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. God has great plans for Broadway Baptist Church. God has a plan and will and purpose for you. And it's bigger than yourself. And that's where Christians come together. God's people come together and say, Lord, here we are. I want to do your will. I want to see by your power you work. So that is what it means to belong to a church. You're serving. You're something bigger than yourself. You are among God's people and you're saved. Look here in Matthew, or I'm sorry, John chapter 10, verse 22. Now, this is about the good shepherd. There's the last scripture we'll read this morning. Jesus is going to tell us about what it means to be a sheep. Because we saw this a sheep language he used there in Matthew chapter 7. Now we come to John chapter 10. And he describes himself as a good shepherd. Verse 22. He's talking about how he's a good shepherd. And he lays down his life. So then, of course, there's confusion. No one understands what he's talking about. And the reason why he picked up on this is in one of the most famous psalm of all, Psalm 23, David tells us that the Lord is his shepherd. A shepherd is who we follow. A shepherd leads us away from danger. He guides us into the right things. He guides us away from things. So you're following the Lord's leadership into your life. Otherwise, you fall into a trap. A wolf comes and attacks. In, in, in many ways, we're going through our lives and we're basically avoiding a wolf attack. Say, so, Daniel, what's a wolf attack look like? A wolf attack is when you have fallen out of church, when you have fallen into sexual immorality, it's when your uh, drugs maybe have come into your home, you found, you found yourself listening and watching stuff on the internet that's morally wrong, you're, you're going through your life, and you've, you've found addiction has come in, and you think, how, how did I get to this point? At one point I was like this, now I'm here, and it's a wolf attack. You're a sheep, the Bible's telling. He does, God describes his people as sheep. Sheep are helpless creatures that are dependent upon a shepherd. So here's, his, here's where he picks up. Verse 22, it says, Then the festival of dedication, that's Hanukkah, that is uh, the Jewish holiday that uh, we celebrate in December called Hanukkah. The festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem. And it was winter. winter. Hanukkah is a winter holiday. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. So he's 
basically got a mob around him. And they're asking for the Messiah. And what they're really looking for is they're looking to arrest him. Now, some folks are looking to make him king, but also folks, they're, they're looking to get rid of him. The charge of blasphemy is what he's going to be charged with. I did tell you, and you don't believe. You don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. So Jesus is making a contrast. He's saying there's these other sheep out there. They're, they're not believers. They're not the father's sheep. They're from another sheep pen. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Let's look at that. That is Christian discipleship. My sheep, meaning people who are saved. I want you all to follow me on this. This, this. You can look at your life. This tells you you're saved. They hear my voice. What is my voice today? My voice today is God speaking to you through God's Word. God speaks to you through a prayer life. If you are not listening to God, you do not know God. People who are God's sheep have a desire to come into God's house. If you don't want to be here, if you have no desire to be at church, that reflects your spiritual condition. That reflects your relationship with the Lord. If you come to church and you're just anxious about leaving and moving on to the next thing, that's really showing the condition of your heart, of where you stand with the Lord. Because the Bible says, my sheep, they hear my voice. They know me. They want to be a part of me. They hear my voice. Keep going here in your Bible. This is our last scripture we're going to read. And I know them. I know God knows who you are. It's not by accident that you're saved. You're saved because someone else was praying for you you are saved because someone brought you to a, a church that preaches the gospel. You're saved because someone took the time to witness to you. Let me repeat that. I grew up in church. I had parents that brought me to a Bible-believing church. Me and you are the same way. I got saved because I learned the good news. Even if mommy and daddy don't teach you the Bible, you just bring them to church every time the doors are open, they're going to hear about God. You're saved maybe because someone took the time to tell you how to know the Lord. Or you're saved because you had someone praying for your salvation. Have you ever prayed someone to Christ? You know someone with a hardened heart. You pray, you pray them to God and experience the Lord to break through in their life. Do you know children right now, or maybe you have grandchildren, they're just in rebellion. I hope you're praying for them. You need to, first and foremost, you need to be praying for your family to know Jesus. Listen, if your family doesn't pray for you, I mean, that's, who else is? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, great-grandparents. You're lifting up your family by name for the Lord, praying for who they're going to marry, praying that they will become Young disciples. 
They will raise their children in the Lord. Jesus knows his sheep. It's not by accident that people come to know the Lord. It's intentional. Everything is intentional. And Jesus here is telling us, I, I know my people. He knows his church members. He knows who's on the roll in heaven. And he goes on to say there, here, in verse 27, after he knows them, and they follow me. They follow me. They know where they're going. They know the gospel call. That is us. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. This is eternal security. When you are saved, you do not lose your salvation. God saves you forever. He knows you. He calls you. He chose you. He's got you in His hand. His hand is not too weak. He lets go. He says here, They never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the wolf. He's saying that there's, there's this belief that you can lose your salvation and you'll lose your relationship with the Lord. God's saying, no, I am strong enough. When I've got you, you are mine. I own you. I possess you. Your identity is no longer yourself. You are one with Christ. And God's telling us this morning, going back to my place, first and foremost, the Lord wants us to start thinking this way. Many of us, guys, we're, we're shorthanding ourselves. God is saying there's so much more than where you're going to eat at. And what's the weather? And how are the NBA playoffs going to finish? They start later this week. There's more than this. Who's going to win the race? The NASCAR race this afternoon. Who's going to win Monday Night Raw on WWE? It's tomorrow night. And God is saying, Daniel, buddy, no. You are my sheep pen. You wake up and you just, you live for me. And God is telling us, My Father, verse 29, last two verses here, we're done. My Father, he's talking about God, these words of Jesus in red, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's the second time he told us. He had to remind us about this. Two times he's told us, you don't snatch my people. You don't, we don't get divorced from Jesus. We don't lose what he has given us. We don't lose our inheritance. No one comes. Esau doesn't come and steal the inheritance back from his brother. That doesn't happen. God has you. And I and the Father are one. Jesus and God. When we speak about Jesus, we're talking about God the Father. These people were here begging Jesus. Tell us if you are God. Tell us if you are the Messiah. Tell us your place. And he's saying, I'm, I am. I am one with the Father. I have my own sheep. No one takes them away. People who trust in Jesus are saved. Have you trusted in Jesus? 
Can you think of a time in your life when you have surrendered to Him? You know, I think one of the great stories, we won't turn there, but in John chapter 6, Jesus was given this very difficult teaching about how He was the bread of life. And only people who would eat Him, eat of what He is made of, are saved. And He says, if you want to get saved, you need to come eat, basically, accept what I offer you, which is these teachings here, that you're going to abandon this selfish, sinful lifestyle, and you're going to follow after me. And it says, many disciples, in John 6, 66, they turned back. They no longer follow Jesus anymore. And he turned and he looked at his 12 disciples, and he said, what about you all? Are you, are you all going to turn back too? Are you all going to abandon me? Are you going to leave with the, re- the rest of the group? And Peter spoke up, and don't forget these words. He spoke up in John 6, 68. And he says, Lord, to where else do we go? Who else do I turn to? Where else can I go to be saved? What else is there out there that offers? When you have done it all, you've traveled all over the world, you've seen every sight, you've ate everywhere, every type of food, you know weather patterns. You know every show on TV. You've seen every movie. And you say, Lord, I've done it all now. I want you. And I'm offering this morning my place. Jesus is extending an invitation for you to get saved. He's saying, let me be your God. Let me, what my son did on the cross, let let him be your savior. Do you need to be saved? When did you give your life to Christ? Are you confident this morning as you passed away this week? You stand before God and you're giving an account for your life that the Lord will look at you and say, Todd, I know you. Gail, I know you. Cindy, I know you. He calls us by name. The Lord is whom we trust in. How sad would it be, horrifying would it be, for someone who thinks they're saved to have God say, I never knew you. You spent your whole life Believing a lie. The most important thing, and this, is, this sermon almost has to be preached regularly. The most important thing for you is to know, am I saved? Do I have eternal security? Have I trusted in Christ as my Savior? Can I think of the time of my life where I gave my life to Jesus? That is step one of finding your place. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get saved. And here's how you get saved. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to say a prayer. This prayer we pray is you trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Do you need to get saved this morning? And I'm going to tell you, for those that maybe you are saved, while I pray this prayer, you pray for maybe a family member who is not saved. For them to get saved. They're not in church. They need to be in church. They need to hear this sermon. They need to hear the words of Jesus. You pray along with me if you want to give your life to Christ. Dear Jesus, 
I know I'm a sinner. I'm a lost sheep. I do not know you. Lord, save me. Lord, redeem me. Lord, pick me up. I'm giving you my life. Forgive me my sins. From this day on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. That's the sweetest prayer in the Bible. That's what we call the sinner's prayer. It's you leading someone else in trusting in Christ as your Savior. There's no better place to get saved than at church. Church, first and foremost, is a place for people to come and get saved. Come learn about the Lord. We close every single worship service here. Scott, you come forward now. You lead us our, you, are you going to lead us in our song? Okay. Miss Gail, I think she's going to lead us in our hymn of invitation. You can come forward anyway. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, I, myself and Brother Hurd, we stand down front. You come forward and take our hand. And you make it public. So let's stand together. We'll be waiting for you to respond to the gospel. Let's go.